Welcome, everyone, to our second episode of The Whole 40, a Lenten podcast for young adults of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. It's my name's, to be here. <laughs> my <laughs> name is Angela Richard. I'm the coordinator of Young Adult Ministry. And filling in for Michael Horn this week, we have Nick, Nick Lee. Lee. I'm the director of Young Adult Ministry, and I couldn't be more excited to uh, have this opportunity. Thank yeah. you, Angela. Thank you for being here. Um, and we have two very special friends, special guests with us in my office today. Um, welcome, Lauren and Bill. You want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? Sure. My name is Lauren Sharmer. I am the director of youth ministry for St. Louis Life Teen and I'm a podcast junkie, so being on one for the first time is kind of a dream come true. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, my name is Bill Kramers. I'm a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Omaha, Nebraska, but studying here at Kenrick in my second year of theology. So two more years of studies after this before ordination. And definitely glad to be these four years a uh, part-time citizen of St. Louis. So yeah, We're so glad you're here. It's great being here and getting to be part of the young adult community, helping with Nazareth nights, attending Theology mm. on Taps. Definitely yeah. look forward to Theology on Tap on the 14th, probably Tuesday. So when people are listening to this, Taylor Leffler, one of my diocesan brothers, is Woo, giving Theology on Tap. So I highly encourage you to be there. I'll be there cheering them on. You, you should just take my job. You kind of just plugged everything in that you're supposed to do. Oh. That was great. Thank you. Really trying, to think of, trying to think of things for me to plug, but yeah, nope. coming up short, so <laughs> okay. I'll work on it. You guys kind of have a connection to each other. We had um, two mm-hmm. BC students last time. What's your connection? All right, so my parish assignment this year is St. Raphael's Parish in South City, and St. Raphael's is one of the parishes that sends to St. Louis Life Team, which is Lauren's youth group. Yeah. So I've been able to help out with the youth group, um, really develop a great friendship with Lauren over this past year. Yeah, so we are work colleagues and friends, and now podcast stars to get stars. Exactly. Maybe a stretch, but... <laughs> <laughs> I love no, it. Really glad to be here. I love it. Um, and just for those of you who aren't familiar... Um, what is St. Louis Life Team? Yeah, so I moved here uh, now almost three years ago to start a multi-parish youth ministry program uh, ministering to the teens in South City and some in South County. So we saw a need to create a place where these teens could gather together in community and prayer and have seen again and again the Lord do things far bigger and greater than we ever imagined. So we meet every Wednesday. If you know any high schoolers, tell them to check us out. <laughs> uh, and it's it's super yeah, it's just great fun. It's a huge privilege and super grateful for the seminarians and the people who help make things happen. We just finished the Luke 18 retreat, so mm-hmm. I'm just glad to not be drowning in large event things right now. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. no, we're happy you're both here in St. Louis. It's just uh, great to have you and great seeing you work with the youth. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, so we're going to dive into this Sunday's gospel, the second week of Lent. Um, it is coming from Matthew chapter 17, and Nick is just going to kind of give us a little outline of of what this gospel passage is. Yeah, thanks, Angela. No, the church in her wisdom, I I just, it always sort of uh, strikes me. Every Sunday we we go to Mass, we hear these first reading, second reading, the psalm, Mm. and somehow they're usually connected to the gospel. And just the church in her wisdom this season of Lent, I think it's fascinating. You know, the first Sunday we had this temptation in the desert. You know, Jesus goes, he's led out into the desert by the Spirit, and the devil is permitted to tempt him with three different alluring, seducing temptations. And Christ serves as this exemplar um, for us to how to resist temptation, how to stay away from sin. And, you know, now we're in, you know, week 10 or day 10, day 11 of Lent. And we're kind of sitting to ourselves thinking, all right, I gave up this. I'm mm-hmm. fasting. I'm trying to pray a little bit more. Maybe give it a little extra money for almsgiving. 
But we sometimes ask ourselves is, why are we doing this again? What, mm-hmm. What's the point? And the Church in Our Wisdom in the second week gives us the scene of the transfiguration. When Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his three boys, up into the mountain... <laughs> And uh, it's there we find this glow-in-the-dark Jesus. Um, his <laughs> clothes are turned dazzling white. Uh, his face is beaming. And uh, Peter, you know, you know, he says, it's amazing that we're here, and maybe we should just stay here forever, Lord. This is what, what a beautiful moment we have to be with you and Moses and Elijah. And really what the church is trying to show us in this moment is, yeah, we know you're on day 10. We know Lent is just getting started. But why are we doing this again? We're doing this... Basically, it's a sneak peek to the resurrection. That's mm-hmm. what the transfiguration is. A sneak peek into the glorified Jesus uh, and really a sneak peek into our eternal destiny uh, to be united with God, to be resurrected, to be deified and divinized with him. It's, uh, it's really a beautiful, beautiful passage and a great opportunity to uh, just reflect and uh, enter into the season of Lent with the church. And I think the thing that always sticks out to me most about this gospel is what Nick just alluded to, but the line, it is good that we are here. And just the reality for us is that every time we show up in prayer, every time we show up in community, every time we say yes to those little things that Christ is calling us to, that that rings true for us, that it is good that we are here. And in a world that has so many false ideas about what is good, so many, you know, things that, bad things that they try to disguise as good that, you know, it is good that we are here when we are with a God who is goodness itself. And just that word good can just be, oh, good, good job. Like an accolade that is kind of just thrown out for everything. But that if we believe that we are made in the image and likeness of a God who is good, that means that not only are we good, but that when we show up in prayer and we show up in community, and like I said, those those places that he has called us to, even when it's the desert, mm-hmm. that he makes good mm-hmm. of everything. And mm-hmm. I just love that that it is good that we are here and that that's the promise of our Lord every time we show up in prayer. Mm-hmm. Something that you said with good, not just being a common good, but good as in being transcendental. Mm-hmm. The church talks about the transcendentals, the goodness, truth, and beauty. And we see all three of them here in this passage. So the goodness that the apostles are naturally attracted to this the truth and that this is who Jesus is the and the glory the beauty that comes from the dazzling and whenever we enter into prayer we enter into something transcendental we enter into a good that is far beyond us but yet makes us good by that we enter into truth helping us combat the lies within our own hearts and we enter into beauty this natural attractiveness of Christ i think so much about adoration in which going and seeing Christ in the golden monstrance. And, for example, at the SEEK conference a couple months ago in San Antonio, um, the organizers of the conference had all the light system set up perfectly so that literally Christ in the monstrance glowing in this huge room of 13,000 people. And even in the smaller situations, for example, in some of the youth groups I've worked with, um, times in which I've aided with adoration, And sometimes I might be sitting off to the side more, but looking at Christ, but also then looking at the students who maybe are experiencing adoration for Mm -hmm. the first time. Mm -hmm. And you can see the glory in their faces. You can see the radiance of light coming from them. And just to recognize that in the same way, I'm called to enter into prayer. And whether or not I feel that glory or truth Mm -hmm. or goodness, Mm -hmm. it is still there and drawing me out of myself toward Christ himself. 
And I think a, a thing that I just thought of after Bill said that was there's this great quote by Augustine, and I hope I don't butcher it, but where he says, in my deepest wounds, I saw your glory and it dazzled me. And I think for so many of us, the struggle in prayer can be, well, I'm too wounded. You know, I have too much crap going on. I've, there's all these hard things happening. And that when we look at our wounds, like Christ desires to transfigure those, that the transfiguration of our Lord is not just something that happened 2000 years ago, that he is constantly desiring to transfigure our hearts. And I'm actually preparing to go on a pilgrimage to Rome in the Holy Land um, with my family and uh, priest of the Archdiocese, Father Charlie Sampson and Ali Shambrew, who I think you guys will be hearing from later this Lent. Yes. And... <laughs> You know, I'm going to go to this place where the transfiguration happened. I'm going to go and be mm-hmm. there and obviously experience the glory of the transfiguration and of this thing that happened and rejoice in that. But ultimately, the call of prayer, the call of discipleship, the call of our lives as Christians is to let Jesus transfigure every part of us. And we can't do that unless we show up. So even if it is showing up in our woundedness, that he will transfigure that. And kind of like Bill was saying, he will make good of everything because that is what a good God does. Amen. Amen. Um, Kind of putting this in context, why is it that, and I think you touched a little bit on this, Nick, but why is it that the church wants to focus on this passage in Lent? Within the gospel, this actually comes, I think, 40 days before they enter into Jerusalem. Mm. Not sure of the exact amount, but this is really close to that time, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, but then the passion in which Jesus then takes on this ugliness, this complete Mm -hmm. opposite of glory. And I imagine the apostles, when they see Christ on the cross, or even when they're running away from Christ with Peter and James running away, Peter denying Christ, it's only John who remains with Christ Mm -hmm. at the cross. But that they might remember that this is who Christ is. They might remember that this glory is still something that he has. Mm -hmm. And maybe during that time, so after Christ was buried, the disciples are probably sitting there just trying to wonder what happened. They're trying to reconcile the bloodiness of the cross with the glory and whiteness of the transfiguration. And all of that then makes sense when the resurrection occurs. Right, right. When the resurrection of Christ into this new life, when he appears to them, they can then reconcile that both the glory and the ugliness both have meaning, that Christ takes the ugliness, places himself into that, and creates something eternally new and invites the disciples into that shared experience of our own eternal life with him, of our own communion with him. So it's a reminder to us as we journey on toward the passion Mm -hmm. that this is how Christ is. And in our own lives, some moments are really glorious. Some moments are really ugly. Mm -hmm. But in everything, Christ is present. Yeah, and I I think the question for us becomes during Lent, what needs to die so it can rise? Mm -hmm. And that Lent is, you know, there are so many things, whether it be, you know, pleasures of the world or vices or sins that, you know, uh, guilty, we confess week after week, whatever it is that we're not just putting to death these uglier things for the sake of putting them to death, but we're putting them to death so they can rise. So that's been a beautiful question that I've sort of been looking at is that what needs to die so it can rise? And and ultimately that, like, like I said, that Christ transfigures that for us. Great. Now, one of my favorite parts about this gospel passage is the ending. It says, as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them. He charged them. He said, 
do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Mm. And I always just think about this season of Lent. Uh, we're not allowed to say the A word at Sunday uh, Mass. <laughs> I'll just say it now. Alleluia. In case you're wondering out there. Um, but we, we don't sing the Alleluia at our Sunday Masses during Lent. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing. In some ways, it's sort of like, you know, keep that secret. Don't tell anyone what you've seen or what you've heard. But at Easter Sunday, at the resurrection, we were shouted from the rooftops, mm. Alleluia, Alleluia. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just think it's, again, this sort of liturgical moment uh, we have as a church to uh, sort of, you know, not that we're not called to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus, but we're called to enter into this desert. We're called to enter into the death of Christ during these 40 days so that we get 50 days of the Easter season mm. to <laughs> proclaim and to scream from the top of our lungs, Alleluia, he is risen. Mm-hmm. What a great gift. What a great gift. Um so as we kind of close this podcast, um, I have been asking our guests some parting words of wisdom. What are some uh, things you would like to share and encourage our young adults as we continue through this season, um, whether if it's coming from a personal place of, of your own journey this season or um, something from your past that you would really like to encourage? Um, just love to hear what you have to share. Yeah, I guess the kind of two things that come to mind immediately, one, and this is something that's been replaying again and again, is don't be stingy with God. Mm. That we're so afraid of, you know, if we give God too much that he's not going to return to us a thousandfold. And so just that notion, don't be stingy with God. Sure, during Lent and, you know, be faithful to the sacrifices you've made or the prayers you've said that you will pray, but that, you know, God who gives us everything, who gives us life, that he is deserving of all praise and adoration that we can give him, but that, you know, we often think, oh, I don't have time to pray, or I don't have time to do this or this, and just, if we're not stingy with, and that word has just been ringing super true to me, you know, in my own life, the, you know, cutting corners in prayer, or not wanting to show up to things I need to show up to, whatever it is, so don't be stingy with God, and I think the last thing I would say is, Nothing in the Christian life is about trying harder. God doesn't want you to try harder to love him or to pray or any of those things. That It's not about what we can do, but it has everything to do with who we are. And the world that we are called to go and to share the good news with will not be convinced by what we do, but convicted by who we are. And so I think the same is true in prayer, that it's not about doing more for God to love you, that his love is unmerited and gratuitous and there for us always. But it's not about trying harder, but about receiving more. So mm-hmm. I would just encourage us to try to receive well what the Lord is giving us. Because yeah. it is good that we Fantastic. are here. Absolutely. Be open to those things. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, and from my perspective, um, thinking about friendship, where it's in this gospel passage, Peter, James, and John together going with Christ, where they were the three who were closest with Christ in his earthly ministry. And my question is, do we have those two or three friends that we can Mm -hmm. share our Christian life with, Mm -hmm. that we can journey together with in the glorious times and in the ugly times? I think of the close brotherhood that I have at the seminary, where I can truly be myself and share what's going on. Um, I have a group called the Yezu Caritas group where there are six of us and every couple of weeks we'll just come together and honestly share what's been going on and just to receive encouragement from each other, maybe receive a bit of a challenge, but in the midst of that brotherhood to see how Christ is working. Even just within the young adults, I mean, all three of you, Lauren, Angelo, Nick, have been great friends to me and I look forward to delving deeper into these friendships. But 
also getting to know many others here in the young adult community. So if you're listening to this and you feel like, I don't know if I have those two or three friends, mm-hmm. so maybe with all the events that the young adult community puts on, with the Theology on Tap, with the Emmaus groups, being or Emmaus groups, being involved in a small group of... <laughs> of Lauren and I are high-fiving over here. Yeah. This is great. We love our Emmaus group. <laughs> yeah, we're... You can come together in that community, and it's open to all people, and even the fun events that young adults have. And we'll have yeah. Nazareth Night Seminary April 7th as well. I welcome all of you to that. <laughs> yeah, so We're there's plenty of opportunities. We're not supposed yeah. to do it alone. Too hard to do alone. And it's Christ bringing us together, which mm-hmm. is the joy of it, which yeah. is ultimately what heaven is. That's so beautiful. Guys, you have been wonderful. Thank you so much for all that you've shared with us. Um, I just want to say in response to everything that they've shared, I've just been so personally blessed by the community of the St. Louis Young Adult group um, at, throughout the Archdiocese. Uh, these specific friends, the people that we're bringing on these podcasts, my coworkers, it's just been um, incredible. So just to echo what Bill has said, find that community, mm-hmm. find that family of faith to uh, push you and to pray with you and pray for you. Um, so as we close, just know of our prayers for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll especially bring the St. Louis Young Adult community with us when we're over in Rome mm, and in the Holy Land. So do. count on that. Keep saying your prayers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you. Okay, so we will be closing out this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, tune back in next week when we have more young adults from our community. Um, know of our prayers for you. God bless. When I was a child, I didn't hear a single